0: You are listening to Sermon Audio from College Creek Church in Annapolis, Maryland. For more information on this local body of believers, visit us online at collegecreekchurch.org or in person every Sunday at 11 a.m. One of, if, if not the, the most frequently used word picture in, in Scripture is that of, of a shepherd, In fact, in our service this morning, we've already read, we read Psalm 23, which is about the Lord being our shepherd. And because the Lord is our shepherd, right, we have no wants. We get good grass and we get water that's easy to drink and comfort in all of our fearful moments and goodness and mercy and and a place to live for the rest of our lives. Shepherds are literally all over the place in Scripture, the, the, the people of Israel, they're notoriously shepherds, so much so that when they go to Egypt and they show up, they say, hey, Pharaoh, we're shepherds. So let us live where the shepherds live. And in fact, we would love to take care of your sheep too. Um, bring them over here. They are shepherds. Of course, we know that the shepherds are the first to be told of Jesus's birth, right? And they visit him in, in the manger there. But shepherds are also figuratively all over the place in Scripture. For instance, we've got Moses, who was literally a shepherd, but then he was called by God to be the shepherd to his people, to lead them out of slavery in Egypt. The same thing happens with King David, right? He's literally a shepherd. In fact, when they come to anoint him king, he's out in the fields with the sheep, they draw him in, and he's anointed king, making him figuratively the shepherd of all of God's people. And we have the same thing in the New Testament. In the New Testament, pastors, when we think about pastors, they're called shepherds over the flock of God all throughout churches. And actually, the word pastoral literally means the life of a shepherd, And so we've heard over and over again. Of course, we know the story we sang about this earlier, where Jesus talks about a shepherd who in the course of counting his sheep realizes that he's missing one. And so he goes out on this all out quest to find his sheep. And when he finally finds it, he throws a party because the sheep has come back. And then in our passage this morning, we're going to see those famous words of Jesus where he says, I am the good shepherd. But before we get too far into talking about the good shepherd, I want to give us some context that the original hearers would have had. The context of some very bad shepherds. And they're talked about in the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel 34. And to all of those who were around at that time, as Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, in their minds, leaping around in their minds, would have been this story or this prophecy from Ezekiel 34 of some bad shepherds. Let me just read a little bit for us from Ezekiel 34. This is verses one to six. It says this, the word of the Lord came to me Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God. Ah, shepherds of Israel, you have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourself with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. And wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. God says to the shepherds through the prophet Ezekiel, You are bad shepherds because you are consumed with yourself and your own desires, and you're not caring for the sheep at all. And God's not willing to let that continue. And so here's what God says he's going to do, starting in verse 10. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. For thus says the Lord God, behold, I myself will search for my sheep and I will seek them out as a shepherd seeks out his flock when he's among his sheep that they have scattered. So I will seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all the places that they've been scattered on the day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out of the peoples and gather them from the countries and I will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in all of the inhabited places of the country, I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. there they shall lay down in good grazing land and on rich pastures pastures they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed and I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong. I will destroy, I will feed them in justice. God says, you're bad shepherds and I am going to intervene I'm going to remove the bad shepherds from you and I'm going to save the sheep. And I myself now will be their shepherd because I can't trust any of y'all. And we could read into that Jesus saying here, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. And the good shepherd sacrifices to, to save and to shelter and to secure his sheep. And that's what we're going to see Jesus doing this morning, explaining this morning in John chapter 10. So with Ezekiel 34 sort of bouncing around in the back of our heads, just like it would have been for the people there, we want to turn to John chapter 10. And that's going to be our text this morning. So if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn to John chapter 10. If you picked up one of these Bibles on your way in, you'll find it on page 993. 993, and and if you don't have a Bible of your own at home, please, we want to encourage you, take one of those with you. It's our gift to to you. We want you to have a copy of God's word. Okay, so let me read John chapter 10, starting in verse one, it says this. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not in this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he is a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who was oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of a blind? At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter. And Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, "'How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly.'" Jesus answered them, "'I told you, and you do not believe.'" The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one's able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So do you see the, the difference? The, the difference in the in the shepherds of Ezekiel 34 and the good shepherd here. The good shepherd sacrifices to, to save and, and to shelter and to secure his sheep. And, and Jesus tells us twice in this passage that he is the good shepherd. So don't be deceived that this passage is talking about like a good shepherd that does this or that. The point here is that Jesus is the good shepherd, that he's the one who sacrifices to save and shelter and secure his sheep. And so the question might be, how do we know who the real, the good, real shepherd is? Well, according to our passage, the way we know who the real shepherd is is that the real shepherd is known. He's known by the gatekeeper, and he's known by the sheep. Now, there's two types of sheepfolds or or pins in the ancient days in Israel that we want to talk about because both of them are referenced in, in our passage. The first one, which we see in these first six verses, it would be in a village. And the way this would work is right on the outskirts of the village, there would be this pen, this sheepfold, and all the families of the village, they'd all bring their sheep there. And all of them would put their sheep at night into this one place. And there would be a gatekeeper who would be there at the gate. He knew all the shepherds. So when the shepherd comes, he'd open the gate up. They'd bring the sheep in. In the morning, the shepherd comes, he opens the gate, and they lead their sheep out. That's how that works The person's job is to ensure the safety of the sheep mostly by enabling or by by not allowing anyone who's not a shepherd, you know, to come in. And Jesus says, here's the marker of a real shepherd. They come in through the gate. If you're trying to get in some other way, you're not a real shepherd. Because if you're a real shepherd, you just come in the gate. The guy will open it for you. But I really want us to focus on the second point here, and that is this, that a real shepherd is known by his sheep. Okay, so imagine you got a big pen. Everybody in the village has their sheep in that pen. The gatekeeper opens the gate, lets you come in. How do you get your sheep out? The way you get them out is very simple. You just call to them because they know your voice. The sheep know his voice. Jesus says, I simply call to them and those who are mine will know my voice and they will follow me. Look what he says at verse three. He says, I don't just call them either, but I call them by name. I know each and every one of them by name. I think sometimes we get confused about the love of God and we think that somehow it's like a group thing, right? That God loves us, but only because we're all together. But what scripture seems to be saying all throughout is that you are individually and personally loved and cherished by God. He created you and he loves you and he died for you and he wants a relationship with you individually and personally. You know, I think our, our lack of understanding about agriculture really hurts us here when it comes to understanding these pictures that are all throughout scripture. Um, when I think about these pictures of a shepherd with a sheep, the closest analogy that I can draw is like cattle because I've seen movies where there are cattle and I'm like, oh, I understand how that works, but actually there's a huge difference in cattle and sheep, so think about a cattle drive in your mind. Maybe you watched the John Wayne movie at some point. Cattle, it, the way you identify that they're yours is you brand them. But the way the sheep are identified as mine is they're brought into relationship with me, the shepherd. That's what, she, they know my voice. I don't brand them. Cattle are driven along from the back. But he says, no, sheep, they follow me everywhere I go because they, they know that I know what's best. I know where the good grass is. I know where the still water is. They trust their shepherd and they follow. And, and while cattle are mostly bred to be killed, sheep are bred to live to live with their shepherds for years and years and years because their value, at least at this point, isn't so much in their meat, but in their wool. And so the reason they know the voice of their shepherd is because they've been living with their shepherd for years. They are bred, they are brought to life to live, not to die. The tender care of Jesus is that of a shepherd, not of a rancher. And so as much as some of this may be confusing to us, the people of Jesus's day though, they were just as confused. He gets done telling the story and we're told that none of them understand. And so Jesus says, okay, I'm gonna give you a new analogy. And it's gonna sound very similar, but it's actually super important to know that this is a new analogy. So he starts to talk about a different kind of sheepfold. So in verse seven, he changes the type of pen that he's talking about. This one's not in a village. It's out in the countryside, out in the fields. And the way they would have these, there wouldn't be a gate with a gatekeeper. Instead, you'd have this pen set up or perhaps there would be this valley with these hills on both sides and you'd block off one side with a with a fence and the other side would have a little gate, right? And you, all, you get all your sheep in. And once they led their sheep in, they didn't close the gate. What happened is the shepherd would go and he would lay down in the opening in the fence and the shepherd would become the door. The shepherd would become the gate. The only way in and the only way out was you had to step over the shepherd. And so Jesus says here, I am the door of the sheep, right? Verse seven, again in verse nine, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus says, I'm the only way into the sheepfold. I'm the only way into relationship with God. I'm the only way into salvation. I'm the only way into safety and security. There's only one way in and that way is Jesus Christ, right? In just a couple of chapters, he's going to tell us this even more clearly. John fourteen, verse six. He's going to say, "I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me." What's amazing to consider in Scripture, and and even in in the Book of John, really specifically, is both the the wideness of the offer of salvation and the narrowness of the way of salvation, right? So John three sixteen, right? We're famously told, God so loved the world, right? That he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Anyone who would believe in Jesus will be saved by Jesus. There's no restrictions. There's no limitations on who can enter. There's no limitations on how many people can come in. Anyone can come in. Jesus will take anyone but you have to come in through the door. There's only one way in. And why Why is there only one way in? We're told here, it's because the good shepherd, the way in, laid down his life to save the sheep. There's only one way in, and the only way in is through the sacrifice of the shepherd. Jesus sacrificed himself for the sheep, to use the language of the passage, he laid down his life for the sheep. Four times in our passage, we're told that he lays down his life. He sacrifices himself on behalf of of us. He gives life by laying down his life. Matthew Henry has this incredible observation, thinking about the Old Testament um, sacrifices and that whole system. He says this, Thousands of sheep had been offered in sacrifice for their shepherds. But here, in a surprising reverse, the shepherd is sacrificed for the sheep. What What is significant about the death of Christ is actually not that he died. It's that he willingly died. He voluntarily went to the cross, right? It's not that he was sacrificed, but that he sacrificed himself on the cross. He died on our behalf and he did it of his own volition. Nobody made him do it. It's made abundantly clear in verse 18. Look at that really quickly. He says of his own life, no one takes it from me but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down. I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. He says, I have the authority to do it. I choose to do it. Nobody forced me to do it, but I lay down my life. This isn't a case of divine child abuse where the father forced Jesus to die, no. No, Jesus fully and of his own volition laid down his life for us. Why? Well, he he sacrificed himself to save us. Save us from death, to shelter us from harm, and to secure us for all eternity. The good shepherd sacrifices to save and shelter and secure his sheep. And the picture presented here is of a dangerous world. There are thieves and wolves and strangers. And Jesus says, Hey, don't wander out there alone. I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He will find life, but not just life, he will find life abundantly. there's something kind of amazing that happens grammatically here that we we normally miss. But when Jesus says that he lays down his life, there's all sorts of Greek words that we could translate life, but the word that's used here is psyche. And, And it's generally used to talk about the soul or the spirit. It's not the word that John usually uses when he's talking about life but we're told that Jesus lays that down. Jesus lays his psyche. He lays his soul down for us. Commentator Philip Comfort says that because of that, we who believe shall never taste death as he died. For he has promised that we shall not taste deaths So our bodies will wear away and cease functioning, but we will not taste death because the good shepherd lives in us and gave himself for us. The good shepherd sacrifices to save his sheep. But more than that, he shelters us as well. We're told in in verse nine that we will be saved and we will go in and out and find pasture. This is just an ancient way of saying that they will live a life with no fear. They can go in and out with no fear. Find all that they need. We're promised in Christ, continual care and shelter of the shepherd. So we're not confined to the sheep pen. That's one way to read this, but that's not what he says. We're not confined. We're able to come and go out and to find food and water and to grow and flourish because of the watchful care of our shepherd. And so he compares three situations for us, obviously highlighting the the life he gives as the best, but he talks about the thief and the hired hand and the good shepherd. The thief, he says, has one intention. One intention. He only does this. He steals, he kills, and he destroys. Satan is out to get you. He has devised plans and visions for your life. And I'll tell you this, they all lead to death and destruction. And and, and I know this. Listen, sometimes the plans of Satan seem really good. But at the end of the day, they all lead to destruction. Just a couple of weeks ago, I read this article about a man in Alexandria, Virginia, who was trying to kill his neighbor's dog by mixing rat poison with meat and throwing it over over the fence into his neighbor's yard. Now, if those dogs were anything like my dog, they would see that meat as a gift from God. But it will lead to death and destruction. Just because it looks good does not mean that it will not lead to death and destruction. Perhaps sometimes the things that look the best are most likely to lead to death and destruction. Satan will offer you things that are quite appealing, but know this, if it's coming from him, it always leads to death. But Jesus also talks about the, the hired hand. He says the hired hand watches the sheep until trouble comes, and then he runs away. The hired hand doesn't care about the sheep. He cares about a paycheck. He's like, he, he's like a bartender, You know, bartenders don't actually care about your problems, but they will let you talk all night long as long as you keep buying drinks. But they don't really care. They want a paycheck. He's not going to protect you. But Jesus says, but then there's the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices to save and, and to shelter The promise of Jesus isn't just that there's life, but that there's life abundant in him. And so there are commentators who who say this, his point is not only to preserve your life, but to impart life, to to communicate it in with rich and unfailing exuberance. Or or think about this, this is the way John Piper, the pastor says, he says, we were not created merely to be safe, The human heart wants infinitely more than safety, right? Yes, safety is basic and necessary. We want to be protected from what can destroy us, but we want life. We want more than just mere life. We want abundant life and overflowing life and deep life and and weighty life and joyful life. We don't just want to survive. We want to thrive at every level of our human being. We want protection and plenty. We want solid safety and deep soul satisfaction. And so Piper goes on to say that abundant life is not about having stuff, it's about having peace and having joy, and having God. Because that's really what we mean when we talk about eternal life. Eternal life isn't so much about how long it lasts. It's about how glorious every moment of it is. And so perhaps we would be better served, instead of saying eternal life, to say infinite life. That term gets at it a little bit better. It's about an abundance of peace and joy and the presence of God. And then, yes, that also happens to last forever. But as, as Philip Comfort again says, eternal life, hear this, eternal life is not futuristic. Heaven is futuristic, but eternal life is now because it is a quality of life, God's life imparted to us, and it begins the moment we come into the sheepfold through the door, Jesus Christ, our good shepherd. That's what Jesus is talking about in John 17. John 17, 3, he says this. He says, this is eternal life, that they know you, Father, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life is relationship with the shepherd who sacrifices to save and shelter and secure his sheep. Now, here's what I mean by secure. To secure the sheep. Listen, if you've entered into the sheepfold, if you have believed in Jesus, and you are held securely by him. You, He's never going to let you go. Look back at those verses, 27 to 30. He says this, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. And they follow me and I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. Eternal life, never perish. No one can snatch them out repeatedly. In one verse, Jesus says, you are secure in me. If you if you are a Christian today, you are, you are secure, not because you're good enough, not because you try hard enough, because hear me, left to your own devices, you would definitely walk away. Left to your own devices, you for sure would lose your salvation, but God won't let it happen. Here's the way the British pastor J.C. Ryle puts it. He says, Christ declares that his people will never perish. Weak as they are, they will all be saved. Not one of them will be lost and cast away. Not one of them shall miss heaven. If they err, they shall be brought back. If they fall, they shall be raised. The enemies of their soul may be strong and mighty, but their Savior is mightier still, and none shall pluck them out of our Savior's hand. The good shepherd sacrifices to save and to shelter and to secure his sheep. We are held, we are held in the loving hands of Jesus Christ and the loving hand of his father. And you can think of it just like this. They are holding hands in love and relationship with each other and you are smack in the middle of their hands. Held by both of them in their love. So the question, right, really the question is this, are you one of his sheep? Have you believed in Jesus? According to verse 26, his sheep believe in him. Have you done that? Have you placed your trust in Jesus? Do you know his voice? Verse four tells us that his sheep, they know his voice they hear it and they recognize it. Verse 27 says they listen to him. Do you make time in your day to listen to the voice of Jesus? To hear what he's calling you to do? And then we're told that that the sheep, true sheep, follow the shepherd wherever he leads. It may be that today you you need to take, hey, that first step. I need to believe. I need to come in. I need to believe in Jesus and enter into relationship with God. Listen, he's the only way. And all the other ways that you thought you could find, those are all the ways of the thief and they all lead to death. But it may be that in your relationship, you need to consider how you could listen to him more. How could you listen more attentively, follow him more closely? but The the good news is that all his sheep receive eternal, abundant, infinite life. And we we get a picture of what that life looks like when we go all the way back to that prophecy in Ezekiel 34. Not only does God promise that he's going to hold the bad shepherds to account and he's going to save the sheep and he's going to make them his own, but then he gives them this promise of the life to come. So listen to this from Ezekiel uh, 34, verse 25. He says, I will make with them a covenant of peace and banish wild beasts from the land so that they may dwell securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. And I will make them and the places all around my hill a blessing. And I will send down the showers in their season. They shall be showers of blessing. And the trees of the field shall yield their fruit and the earth shall yield its increase and they shall be secure in their land. And they shall know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke and deliver them from the hand of those who enslaved them. They shall no more be the prey of the nations nor shall the beast of the land devour them. They shall dwell securely and and none shall make them afraid. And I will provide for them renowned plantations so that they shall no more be consumed with hunger in the land and no more suffer the reproach of the nations. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God with them and that they, the house of Israel, that's us, the house of Israel are my people, declares the Lord God. You are my sheep, human sheep of my pasture. And I am your God declares the Lord God. There is an abundant, infinite, eternal life for all who trust in Christ because he has sacrificed himself to save and to shelter and to secure his sheep. He is the good shepherd. Let's pray. God, thank you for this promise. This promise in in Ezekiel 34 that that you're not okay with the way your people are treated when they are treated with injustice. And you won't turn a blind eye to bad shepherds, but you will make things right. Thank you for sending Jesus to be our good shepherd. Lord, we know that we are prone at times to follow after the thief and the robbers, to look for attention from the hired hands. And so, Lord, we pray that you would would break our eyes from looking there so that we would look only at you, that we would listen to your voice, that we would follow in your steps, that we would find peace and joy and hope forever.